that is very close to home right here for Abundant Life, and that is Hope Clinic in Benton. Uh, we get the opportunity to be right on the forefront of the battle against abortion. And uh, Lisa shared with us a few weeks ago, but they're, they're starting a new uh, fundraising drive that they do every year where it's easy for you to be a part and be a giver uh, to Hope Ministries. So for the first part of the service today, I'm going to ask Lisa if she would to come. And then in lieu of our building offering that we normally take today, we're going to take a special missions offering. We're going to plant a seed towards Hope Clinic today and just be a blessing to them. So would you give Lisa a big hand as, as she comes and shares with you a way that you can help Hope Clinic? usually tries to sit up here behind me and there is no way I'm going to let him sit behind me when I'm talking. Okay. <laughs> um, 44 years ago, the Supreme Court made a decision and because of that decision, over 56 million babies have been aborted. And the worldwide, 40 to 50 million babies are aborted a year. It's 125,000 a day. In America alone, there are 3,000 babies aborted a day. And if you stop and think about all these babies, and if they had grown up and had a chance to grow and do what God had them, God had a plan for each of those babies, and they might have been, they might have been conceived out of wedlock, they might have been conceived out of rape, they might have been, you know, different ways, but God still had a plan for them, and we never got to see that plan. And you think about what we've missed. We could, have, we could have had a cure for cancer. We could have lawyers, politicians, good Christian politicians, standing up for pro-life, standing up for these babies, standing up for our families. Um, we, we lost mamas. We lost daddies, grandmas, and grandpas. There's so much that we've lost because of that one decision, and actually that one decision was based on a lie. It was all a lie. And because of that one decision, we've lost so much. And that's why Hope Clinic exists. Um, Hope Clinic is a place for these girls to come in. And if they think they're pregnant, they can come in. They can get free pregnancy tests. They can get STD testing. They can get ultrasound. We are a licensed medical clinic through the state. Um, and so we have a nurse on staff that's able to do these tests. And then we're going to be there for these girls and help them through the whole thing. We're not going to say, yes, you're pregnant, and then just let them walk out the door. <coughs> we want to be there for them the whole entire time. Because a lot of times these girls will come in, and, and they are they're scared to death. They don't know what they're going to do. And they can be anywhere from, I've seen them as young as 11. And I've seen them as old, and I just turned this so I'm, can say it, but as old as 50. And if, if you're 50 and you don't want to be pregnant, that's a crisis pregnancy. That's an unplanned pregnancy. And, and so, any, so it doesn't matter what age. It's someone that does not want to be pregnant. It's someone that feels like they, don't, they, don't, they can't be pregnant. Feels like financially maybe they can't. Feels like their family, because of their, what's going on in their family. They may be in a situation where they're in a, um, an abusive situation. And so they feel like they don't have any other choice to choose abortion. I don't think anybody ever grows up and says, I'm going to have an abortion one of these days. It's kind of like no one ever grows up, I'm going to be an alcoholic one of these days. No one plans for that stuff. But when those situations come around and they're in that situation, they feel like they don't have another choice. And that's what we want to do. We want to help them and let them know they do have other choices. So when they come in, we're going to talk to them about we're going to talk to them about parenting, we're going to talk to them about adoption, and we're going to talk to them about abortion because we want them to know exactly what's going to take place. We want them to know that the physical aspects of it and what can happen. That's one reason we have a nurse on staff, so she can give the, the physical what can happen. Um, but then we also want them to know emotionally what can happen and spiritually, and it depends on where she is spiritually and how we go about that. But we want them to know exactly what can happen if they choose abortion. 
So we're going to be there to help them figure all this out and not just, yes, you're pregnant, you walk out the door. And a lot of these girls will come in. I've had them come in and they say, I can't have an abortion, I'm not going to. But what happens when they walk out the door is they're getting all these other messages and they're hearing, you can't have this child, you're too young, you're, you know, stuff is going on. So our hope is to get them in there, to give them reasons why they can have that baby and let them know they can do it and they're not alone. Regardless of how they're feeling, they're not alone. And we let them know that and we let them know that they're loved. Um, The ultrasound, we have an ultrasound machine and about 85% of the time when they see that ultrasound, they change their mind. And we had a... um, a mother and a daughter came in one time, and not too long ago, and she, the mother kept saying she wanted her, her daughter was a teenager, and she wanted her to have an abortion because um, she was a young teenager. She was freshman or sophomore or something like that, and she wanted her to have an abortion. And um, so when we got in there, we did the pregnancy test, and we did the ultrasound, and we had mom in there. And when mom saw that beating heart and she saw that baby moving around, she changed her mind because she realized it's a part of her, and it's real life. No matter what they say, it is a life. It is a life. I've seen too many ultrasounds, my own included, to I don't know how they even say it's not a life because it is a life. And so this this mom quit pushing and pressuring her daughter into having a, an abortion, and is supporting her and helping her. Um, and that's what that's what it's all about. We also are able to. We've got a program called Earn While You Learn, and this is a program where they can come in every two weeks and they can earn almost anything they need for that baby. Because I've had parents come in, I've had couples come in, or a mom come in that's already got two kids that are older. They have no baby stuff, and she's pregnant. And she said, I can't even afford diapers, let alone a crib and that kind of stuff. That's okay. We can help her with that. Because she can come in every two weeks, she can do a program, and she can earn everything she needs for that baby. We never want that to be a reason they choose to they choose abortion. So we're able to help her with that. Um, and during that whole time, um, obviously, we're teaching them um, how to be parents. We're talking to them about almost anything from prenatal to discipline to um, smoking, um, alcohol. Um, we've got girls coming in there that we're having. We've got a, cl- a, a class on using meth while you're pregnant. We have, we've done that several, several times because there's a lot of girls that are on drugs and doing that kind of stuff while they're pregnant. So it's all teaching them. But de- during that time, they're meeting with a client advocate, and they're building that relationship with that client advocate. And so they're also learning about Christ. We're very respective of respect their thoughts and their beliefs. We had a young girl come in there a while back, and um, we talked to them and just asked them, can we share Christ with you or or something? And um, this one girl came in, and she was in, um, involved in Wicked. And she, Tabitha, my nurse, said, you know, what is Wiccan? You know, I'm not familiar with that. And Wiccan is... I guess a um, religion where they worship the earth and it's Satan kind of cult. It's a cult kind of thing. And anyway, Tabitha just listened. Tabitha, Tabitha said, well, tell me about it. Tell me what you believe and why you believe it. And you know that girl said, you know what? I've never had anybody ask me why I believe that and why I'm you know, in this. And that opened the door for Tabitha to be able to share Christ with her because we listened. And so that's what it's all about is building a relationship with these girls. Like I said, we have guys come in too. Um, we do STD testing. And then we hope guys come in when, with their girlfriends. Um, not always. Most of the time that does not happen, unfortunately. Um, but um, we do STD testing and we share with, we talk to the guys too about their choices. And so we talk to these kids and these, these clients about choices they're making. Um, and try to get them to understand they don't have to be in there. They can change their lifestyle. They can make good choices. And that's what the whole thing is. It's just sharing Christ with them and let them know that God loves them regardless. And then let God start changing their heart. You know, um, 
we offer post-abortion counseling. If anyone has ever had an abortion in the past, um, that is something that is um, very secretive. Most, uh, and really 70% in our churches, 70% of women in our churches have had an abortion or been involved in an abortion. So there are women all over this place that have had an abortion or been involved in abortion, but it's so secretive because it, it, there's so much hurt there. And so our Save One program is a program where they can do this, they can go through this. It's a 12-week course. And again, God loves them. He loves them regardless of their choices. And so He is. He, we teach them that, we share that with them. And a lot of times what happens is... Um, the most of the ladies that go through our Save One program has had an abortion 20 or 30 years ago, and they've never really just dealt with it. So what happens is um, they've you know grown up, they've started um, um, to church, or and they've become a Christian, and they know God's forgiven them. They know that Jesus died on the cross for them. They know Jesus forgives them. But how hard is it for us to forgive ourselves? It's so hard to forgive ourselves because we think back all the time about past decisions and past choices we made, and we can't change it. But you know what the cool thing is? When Jesus died on the cross, that blood covered all that. And that's what we want them to know. We want them to know Jesus loves them, and there is total healing because until there is total healing for that, God can't use them. And they can't worship. They can't. They can't be who God wants them to be until God just gives them that total healing until they go to him. So we talked to them about that, and we had this class. It's 12 weeks. It's save one. Um, if I would encourage if you know anybody that's had an abortion or been involved in abortion, because those men that's been involved, involved in an abortion or parents, and I see a lot of parents that push their kids into having an abortion, um, if, they've been, if they've been involved, to give us a call. It stays right there. Most of the time, the girl that does it, um, she does it. Her name is Rhonda. She does it. And a lot of times, I don't even know who's in our classes because it stays, it's so confidential. It stays right there. So give us a call. Um, we're also in the school systems. We do 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. And again, this is a class where we're teaching these kids to make good choices. Um, we're, we start in 6th grade on how to choose your friends. We go from there up until ninth grade, and we are able to help them to understand that the one choice that they're making can change their life drastically. The one choice to be sexually active, the one choice to, be, to do drugs, the one choice to drink, it can change their life just like that. So we want them to understand those, the choices they're making can change their life. And so we want them to make good choices. So we talked to them about the what can happen. We talked to them about pregnancy, talked to them about STDs, and we also talked to them about the emotional heart when they are active. So we are there. Um, we get almost every child. Um, if we don't get them in middle school, we get them in ninth grade because we're in the ninth grade health classes. Um, last year, we, the only way we can survive... We do not get state or federal funds. Um, if we did that, we would have to we would have to refer for abortions. Um, we would not be able to share Christ like we want to, and so we choose not to do that. Um, the only way we survive, the only way we're going, is through donations, and it's through churches, and it's through individuals, and through fundraisers. And last year, um, Abundant Life gave one thousand nine hundred and fifty-two dollars is what you all gave to us. And it goes so far. It really does. If you think about someone that's going to go to the doctor's office to get an ultrasound, to get a pregnancy test, an STD test, that's going to cost them. Everything is free for these girls that come in and these guys that come in. And when they're coming in, they're not only coming in for what they think they're coming in for, they're going to get so much more. Um, last year we... Um, we provided 846 services. And like I say, if a girl comes in for STD, we're going to probably do a, we do a pregnancy test with that. So we're doing multiple um, services when they came in, and we did 846. Um, we had 25 girls that were abortion vulnerable and or minded last year, and we 22 we know chose life for those babies. 
So God's doing a cool thing. We are um, moving ahead on some things. We're expanding. I shared this with you before, um, but it's getting really real to me right now. So um, we are um, opening a center in Lyon County. Um, this is, we're going to be medical. We're going to do the STD, the pregnancy test, and the material support. Um, we will eventually do ultrasound when uh, we buy a $25,000 machine. So if anybody has an extra $25,000, just let me know. We can put it to good use. Um, but we will eventually do that. Um, but we are opening hopefully in May. I would invite you all. You're welcome to come. I know a lot of you go to the banquet. But Tuesday night we're having a fundraiser in Edible at the Lee S. Jones Community Center. And it is strictly for the Edible Center. So I'd invite you all to come and um, just learn and and enjoy and um, it like I say it is a fundraiser and that's what it's going to take for them to, for that community to have it is to get that support. But God's doing some really cool, cool things and He has confirmed that so many ways. I would call and I would talk to people and when I was starting to do this, um, I'd call and say, "Do you think there's a need?" And I had so many people say, "You know what? I was just talking to so and so about something like this. There is, we definitely need it. We need it." Or I'd say, somebody would say, "You know what? I've been praying about something like this to come to this area." So we're excited about what God's going to do. Um, I was listening to a song this morning. And I hadn't heard it that much, uh, but it was talking about how God is moving mountains that we don't even see. And that's what he's done, and that's what he's doing, and he's doing that in each of our lives. And I'm so excited to see what God's going to do with this center, because there are girls up there that I know through my research and talking to people up there that are getting abortions, that are needing this service and needing this help. So we're excited to see what God does. Um, one way do, we do a fundraiser also, and what we're going to do here today if, um, is a baby bottle. And all I ask is that you take this baby bottle home, fill it with change, silver change, paper, checks. We take anything, credit card, just let me know. Um, but take one home and fill it up and um, keep it for um, with, uh, till the end of April. And then bring it back, and then we'll get it to work. Um, but... If you fill a bottle like this with silver change, it, it's about 25 to $30. And that goes a long way. We have, um, last year we raised um, over 28000 in change last year. And um, I'm not sure where we are, are this year because we're just getting them in. But um, this is one way we can do what we do. We can offer those medical services, and that costs money. It really does. It costs to pay for medical license and then the medical supplies that we need and paying a nurse um, that is on staff. So we do need your help. So if you don't care, take one of these home and bring it back at the end of April and um, fill it up. And when you see this, just pray for us. Um, there's a lot, like I said, we're doing a lot going into Lyon County and that's stepping out on faith. Um, and so, if you don't care, just pray for us all, and thank you for your support. I'm going to ask our ushers to return, and I just want to share with you briefly today, but we're going to have our ushers return. This offering, all of it, will go to Hope Clinic. Uh, rather than our building offering, we're just going to plant this seed towards them, and uh, so we encourage you to give generously. Lord's really been dealing with me this year about sometimes we get to thinking, you know, I would help people and I would reach out to people and I would reach out to the lost. If I just had an idea, if I just knew how. And the Lord just really dealt with me about stop trying to reinvent the wheel. There are all kinds of ministries right here in our own community that are reaching out to the hurting and the broken and, and those who are, who are in need. And they need your help. Not only your prayer volunteering but giving so this is an opportunity to do that so if our ushers would return we're going to pray over this offering and be a blessing to hope clinic today and lisa didn't really mention it but i'll, I'll mention it too there's always i know a need for good volunteers and uh, if you're looking for a, a way to volunteer your time and a way to be a blessing i know that that uh, they would be glad to to have you check with them about that as well Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today for all that you've already done in this room. We thank you for the ministry of Hope Clinic. 
Lord God, the, all that they do and all that you've allowed them to do in Marshall County and what's about to transpire in Lyon County and the surrounding area. I thank you, God, for giving them hope and encouragement and peace and provision. Lord, blessing your people as they give in this offering today. God, I feel specifically led right now to pray for Kenny Chesser and for his mom. God, I don't know what's going on there, but in Jesus' name, I ask for your touch. I ask for your courage. I ask for your peace. I ask for your your presence, God. I ask for uh, the miraculous to take place. Father God, we ask also, God, that you would touch uh, Tammy's stepdad, Ron, today and bring healing to him as well. And Father, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We appreciate your giving. Just real quick, if you would, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 24. I just want to share with you real quick something that uh, uh, you are, the, and I have to be careful how I say this, Jesus is the answer. How do you know that? Amen? Jesus is the, let's try that again because you need to move. Jesus is the answer, right? Right? But he's chosen to use you. And a lot of times we will stand and, and we will see situations around us. We will watch the news and we will be heartbroken as we read about lives that are wrecked and broken, whether it be through drug addiction, whether it be through alcohol addiction, whether it be through anything that would touch and, and, and so tragically shape the life of our young people or anyone else. And many times we'll sit back and we'll complain. Well, I sure do wish the politicians would do something about it. Somebody ought to do something. Or we'll sit back and, and, and we'll talk about... Uh, the failure of the school system. We'll talk about the failure of the media and we'll blame Hollywood and we'll blame music. And I'm not saying that there's not some responsibility. But Jesus said to his disciples, you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth. Now, Salt and light are change agents. It doesn't matter how dark of a room. When you have the smallest amount of light, it begins to change the, the environment around it. It doesn't matter the situation. Whenever salt is introduced, you know it's there. There's no, and you know when it's absent, or at least I do. When salt's supposed to be there and it's not there, you immediately recognize the difference. And Jesus told us that's who we are. And what I'm saying today is most of us don't realize, or maybe we don't want to think about it sometimes, we are the answer to most of our prayers. While we stay at home and pray for revival, God said, I sent you. While we stay at home and hope for legislation to, to come about, God said, I sent you. While we stay at home and complain about the media, God said, I sent you. And in Proverbs chapter 24, beginning in verse 11, it says to the people of God, deliver those who are drawn towards death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we didn't know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your souls, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? He said, we don't get the excuse. We don't get to lay back and say, well, I sure wish I would have known there was such a problem. Do you realize what's happening in just Marshall County alone this week? Anybody watch the news? It's been a tragic week for this county. It's been a tragic week for families of young people in this county. We found out that you don't have to go to New York City. You don't have to be in L.A. to, to buy synthetic drugs and, 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 and see tr the tragedy that that leaves behind. You, you don't have to be in a big city. It can happen right here in Marshall County. And it is happening. And it has been happening for some time. We can turn our face away and just play like because it isn't affecting me and it isn't affecting my church and it isn't affecting my immediate family that everything's okay but eventually if we don't begin to intercede and pray if we don't begin to get engaged and get involved in sharing the gospel of Christ with those who are vulnerable and those who are broken and those who are hurting eventually how long will it take until it reaches out and does touch your family and does touch your neighborhood and does touch this church listen it's important important for us to understand that we are here for a purpose. We're not just waiting for the rapture. We're not just waiting for, I can't wait to go to heaven. 
I hope that you feel the same way. Heaven is home for me. This is not home. I'm looking forward to heaven. But as long as I am here, I have to live with an understanding that God has me here on purpose. And as long as you are here, you need to have an understanding that God has you where you are on purpose. And if we really believe in the sovereignty of an almighty God like we say we do, then that means God has you where you live on purpose. That means that God has you where you work on purpose. That means that God has you in your neighborhood on purpose. That means that God has you in your circle of acquaintances on purpose. God has a purpose for who you're around. And there are people all around us. There are people in this room today. Though we dress it up, though we wear masks, there are people in this room today that are confused and broken and hurting and stressed and anxious. There are probably people in this room today that have bondages that they wouldn't want anybody to know about. And that would be true of every church in this region or around our nation or around the world. And they're just waiting for somebody, maybe anybody, to care enough to move past our own concerns and whatever we've got going on in the remainder of this day and get in touch with a God who already knows their heart. Allow ourselves to be moved with compassion like Jesus was moved with compassion so much so that we get involved. That we might, even if it just means going up because we've had somebody all service long, even in this room, on our heart, we don't know what's wrong and maybe we're a little nervous about it, but at the very least I can go up before I leave this place today and I can pat them on their shoulder and say, hey, I, I just want you to know I love you and I care about you and I'm praying about you. And if there's anything I can do anytime, let me know. I don't think anybody's going to be offended by that. You know what might happen? Somebody might just open up to you. And they might just let you know what's going on in their world. Be ready. <laughs> when you ask somebody, how you doing? It's one of the most asked questions. And the one that we really don't expect anybody to answer. You know your expected answer. I'm fine. How are you? What would happen if everybody's just honest? We might be made a little bit uncomfortable. And we might have to have some longer conversations than we intended. But you know what would happen at the end of the day? People's hearts would be healed. People would understand that church is not just a place where we get together to sing four or five songs, listen to somebody talk about stories that we only hear on Sunday, and then go back about our business as if nothing ever happened. But we'd be in a place where we're a family who love Jesus together and believe in a God who's big enough to reach into our day-to-day worlds, speak into the life that we're living, touch us with the grace of His power, and change us by His glory forever. We might actually see a miracle before we leave the place. Now, that not, might not be something that you might be able to, to put on Facebook, but it's something where somebody's life is touched and changed forever because somebody dared to care enough to even get engaged in their life. We can't use the excuse of, well, I didn't know. I didn't know people were hurting. I didn't know people were broken. I didn't know people were dying. I didn't know people were depressed. I didn't know people were bound. That's not an excuse. And the Bible says, and it's amazing to me, that God actually says to His people, you have a responsibility in this. I want you to be involved. If you looked up at verse 10, which we didn't read, He's saying to the people of God, if you faint, if you fall back, if you give in and give up in the day of trouble, in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. You know, the Bible says this about a brother. A brother is born for adversity. Jesus never sugarcoated anything. He never said, hey, come and follow me and you're going to have just a life that's full of nothing but roses and blue skies. Jesus said that in this world, you will have tribulation, affliction, trouble. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Jesus never painted some false narrative for us. Jesus just told us the truth. 
Before Paul stepped into his role as the apostle that we all know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit showed him all of the things that he would suffer for the sake of the gospel. But what he would gain by this awesome relationship with Jesus was so much more worth all, more than all that he could suffer that he embraced gladly the life that was ahead of him and he changed the world. Here's the thing, guys. We have great strength. Whether you realize it or not, you have access to the God of all the universe. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Bible says through the prophet Isaiah, no weapon formed against us shall prosper and every tongue that rises up against us we shall refute for this is our heritage as the servants of the Lord and our vindication is from God. Didn't say that no weapon would ever be formed. It just says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. The enemy's not able to destroy us. He's able to afflict us. He's able to come against us. He's able to persecute us. He's able to attack us. But he's not able to destroy us. Now now here's the question as we get ready to close. If God has gone to such great lengths, I'm told, and I haven't studied this out myself, but I'm told that there are over 365 references in the Bible that basically say, fear not or don't be afraid. That's one for every day of the year. Don't be afraid. Now that tells me that one of the biggest battles that we're going to have as believers would have to be fear. Now, why did God go to such great lengths and spend so much time in encouraging us not to do, not to be afraid, when our greatest battle apparently would be fear? To Joshua himself, in just one passage of Scripture in Joshua chapter 1, before Joshua gets ready to take the children over and and take Jericho and enter the promised land, he tells him three separate times in just a few verses worth of, of, of space, he says, be strong and be courageous, don't be afraid. Be strong, only be strong and be very courageous. Be strong and courageous. You're going to be able to do what I've called you to do. Just hold on to this book. Hold on to the word. Don't let it get out of your mouth or out of your heart. Just be strong and be courageous. Don't be afraid. I believe that the reason that God spends so much time and makes such an emphasis on not allowing fear to control us is because that's about the only thing the enemy can do to stop us. But he's been very effective. He paralyzes the body of Christ with fear. Fear of rejection. Well, if I really step out and tell people about Jesus, I'm afraid I'll be rejected. Fear of persecution. Fear of people taking offense. Fear of not having the right words to say at the right time, getting there and stumbling over our words. And then a deeper-seated fear, if we really want to be honest with ourselves. A fear of what if I tell people how good God is and What if something don't work? Fear. It keeps God's people back. And God spent so much time saying, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be afraid. Matter of fact, the Apostle John says that perfect love drives all fear away. And God is perfect love. He removes fear from us. Jesus said in John chapter 14, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going away, but I'm coming again. I'm going to receive you into yourself. And until then, just know this. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. In Acts chapter 1, we read the words of Jesus as he's appearing to his apostles on earth for the last time until he returns again. And in Acts chapter 1, he tells these apostles who have walked with him and talked with him and Spent three and a half years on earth, intimately and directly involved in his ministry. They've even gone out and done miracles themselves in his name as he sent them out two by two. He tells them now in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, it says, Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom that's the political kingdom to Israel? God, are we going to have a political revival? Are all the laws going to be changed and become what we want them to be? Is everything going to be made smoother and easier for us now? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put under his own authority. Otherwise, he's saying, hey, there's something more important. There's something deeper. There's something bigger. And then in verse 8, he tells them, you shall receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts or to the ends of the earth. Hey, guys. He's saying, don't worry about all the political upheaval. Don't worry about, it's not that those things aren't important, but there's something more important. There's something that I've called you to. And that is to get out into your world, wherever your world is, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth, and proclaim this gospel. Last verse I want to read is in Acts chapter 2, because they did just that. After the day of Pentecost, verse 41 says, those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. The church began. In verse 42 it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. But notice verse 44 and 45. This is talking about the, the church, the believers, you and me. All who believed were together. That means they were unified. They loved one another. They weren't just about themselves. And they had all things in common. They even sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. When they saw somebody without something that they needed, they couldn't deal with it. They were moved to action. And they stepped in and they took the extra that they had They sold it and they reached out to make sure that the one who had nothing had what they needed. And that happened over and over again, not by command, but by desire. They stepped out and because of the love that the Holy Spirit put in their hearts, they gave of themselves and of their resources. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the verse that I keep highlighting, I keep emphasizing, the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. The church didn't have 25 events throughout the year so that they could add to the church the people not against nothing against events, but that's not how the New Testament church was birthed. That's not how the New Testament church grew. The Bible says that the New Testament church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, went into their day-to-day lives, into the marketplace, into the workplace, into their families, into their neighborhoods, and they loved Jesus and they loved people. And they loved people so much, particularly the brotherhood, that they couldn't stand to see somebody broken, hurting, defeated, in need. It meant so much to them that they even took the excess, the extra that they had, and they were willing to give it all up so that they could come and meet the needs of somebody who didn't have enough. And word began to spread. Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciples, not by your meetings, not by your church structures, not by your ministries. He said, the world will know that you're mine by the way you love one another. And they loved each other so much, no matter what came their way, no matter what the persecution, no matter what the darkness, that word spread and God supernaturally added to the church Every single day, somebody was getting saved. Every single day, somebody was coming home. Every single day, somebody was being delivered. Every single day, somebody was being set free. Not because they were having meetings at the church. It was because they were taking the church to the world. They realized the church is not a building. The church is me and you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, refusing to give up on people, loving people enough to get engaged in their life, not just saying a prayer and moving on, though prayer is powerful, but saying, What can I do? And that's what I want to leave you with today. I believe that God has called us. I believe that every Christian in this room, God has equipped us and God has anointed us. I believe that you have the strength that you need. But if your strength fails in the day of adversity when trouble comes, it didn't say you had no strength. It just said your strength is small. say, well, I want my strength to grow. There's two ways I know of to do that. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And we find his joy in his presence, so spend time in the presence of God. The other thing is the Bible says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But faith without works is dead, being alone. 
So spend time in the presence of God and the Word of God. But as the Word of God begins to change your heart, don't just sit back and think, wow, that's a great teaching. Man, that's a great book. Man, that was a great CD. Man, that was a great service. Boy, that was a great seminar. Boy, that was a great conference. That's not the purpose. Let the Word cause the faith in you to grow and then begin to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? Today. Not, till, not when the next event takes place. Not when the church announces when our next outreaches. Today. Who can I talk to today? Who can I help today? Who can I reach today? I, I just don't, I don't... I'm not good with words. Neither was Moses. But he led the people of Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders. Well, I battled with fear. So did Gideon. But he led the people of Israel with just 300 against an army that outnumbered him by multiplied thousands into victory against the Midianites. You know the common factor? The call of God and the presence of God. And guess what? You are called by God. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. But a city that's set on a hill, it can't be hidden. Neither do men light a, and put, light, light a candle and put it under a bushel. We let it shine. On a candlestick for all men to see. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We don't do good works to get saved. Can't be saved by works. But we do good things because we are saved. And we are free. See, I don't have to have fear. For what can man do to me? If the worst thing they can do is kill me, and that's just going to send me home then why should I be afraid? Why do you need to be afraid about reaching out to somebody who's broken and bound? Why do you need to be afraid about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in your neighborhood, in your workplace? There's no fear in love, see? You see, when your love for that person overcomes your fear for your own comfort, you'll reach out to them. Let me say that again. I didn't plan on saying that. There's no fear in love. And when your love for that person overcomes your desire for your own comfort, you're going to get engaged in their life. And I want to challenge you, whether it's Hope Clinic, help Hope Clinic. Who can't put change in a baby bottle? Who can't pray for Hope Clinic? Whether it's one of the many other ministries we'll talk about as this year goes on that are right here in our community that we can reach out to. But what about where you live? Where are you going today? You going to be at a restaurant after lunch? You say, yeah, if you'll ever stop talking. I'm kind of hungry now. What if you treat that waiter or waitress with respect? And when they don't show up at your table as quick as you want them to, why don't you think about maybe their day hadn't been that great and their world might not be that great and responding, responding to them in kindness instead of anger, might, you might be the only person who does that today. And they might have a reason to ask you, what is the difference in your life? You going to Walmart? You going to the mall? Why don't you pray a quick little prayer and say, Holy Spirit, if there's anybody I need to reach out to today, God, show me. God, if there's anybody I can help, anybody I can touch, God, let my eyes be open to what you're doing in people's life. Don't, don't just walk around and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, maybe worse than most of you. I'm guilty of walking around oblivious to what's going on around me because all i got on my mind is what I'm there to do. But instead, why don't you pray, Holy Spirit, if there's anybody you need me to speak to, God, help me see them the way you see them today. And when you feel a tug towards any individual and fear begins to grip your heart, saying, why, you shouldn't talk, then, then say, why should I be afraid? I've got perfect love, and perfect love drives out all fear. I don't even have to know all the things I need to say beforehand. The Bible says don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will give you the very words you need. So just go up and just start a conversation with, hey, I don't know who you are, but I just want you to know I, I, I've been, I, I just noticed you over there. And I, I, if, is there anything I can pray with you for? Well, they might say no. Well, they might. They won't hurt anything. But they might say yes. I'll close with this story today. I'll never forget a minister talking about going into one of the stores at the mall where he lived. He was in a hurry. He was in another. He was needing to catch a flight to get out to ministry, but he had to go get 
a CD for his son. It was his birthday, and he needed to get the CD, get home, be at the birthday party, get to the airport, and go where you go. It was on a very tight time schedule. And when he got up to check out with the CD, the young girl who was checking him out was on the phone. And she stayed on the phone. She kind of had his, her back turned to him. And this conversation was getting more and more volatile on the phone the whole time. And he was getting more and more aggravated because he felt like this is terrible customer service. I'm here. I'm in a hurry. She's got her back turned to me. She's on the phone. She don't even know what's going on. How terrible is that? She needs to be fired. All these things are going on through his mind. And then the Holy Spirit stopped him and reminded him of something he had preached just kind of like what I said a little while ago about paying attention to the needs around you. And the Holy Spirit prompted him to ask the young lady if everything was okay and if he could help in any way. And when she turned around, tears were streaming down her face. And she said, is there anything I can do to help you? Can I help you in any way? And out comes her story. She was a single mom, struggling to survive. Her boyfriend had just left her. She didn't know how she was going to pay the rent. And in her thoughts, she was thinking of leaving the child with her mother, thinking the child would be much better off and ending her life when her shift was over that day. That man talked to her about Jesus, and before he left the store, she came to know Christ as her Savior. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that every story ends like that, okay? Reality is they don't all end like that. But none of them will end like that if we don't ever try. None of them will end like that if we don't pay attention. God's called us to get engaged and get involved in our world. I'll leave you with this question today. Ask yourself, ask God, who can I help today? Today, what can I do today? Where am I needed today? And then don't be afraid. (laughs) Instead of asking yourself, what will happen if things go wrong? Ask the opposite question. What could happen if everything goes right? And dare to be the light in your world. I want you to bow your heads with me today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room today. We thank you, God, for the anointing that we felt during worship and praise and for the touch that you gave to people's hearts and lives, those who were ministered to. We thank you, God, for the word that Lisa shared today and the opportunity that's in front of us to be a blessing to Hope Clinic. We thank you for that ministry and all it does in in our area and what it's getting ready to expand and do. Father God, we thank you, God, for those in this room today, the call that you placed upon their life. Lord God, the anointing that's there. Father Lord, we we can't do anything apart from you. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can reach the lonely and the hurting and the broken and the addicted. We can care. We can be moved with compassion because, Lord, you're the God that we serve and that's who you are. God, we don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen. Lord, you've not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. So, God, for those who are battling, for those who feel this tug, this sense of, I know, God, you put me here for a reason. I know there's a purpose for my life. I know there's more than what I've landed upon, more than, than, than where I've been. God, I just thank you that they'll be encouraged today that it's not somewhere way out there. Lord, it's not something that they have to wait on a special revelation or special outpouring or special movement. Those things can come and they may very well come. But they don't have to wait for that because right now they are where you've called them to be. And right now they have everything that they need to do everything that you've called them to do. All we have to do is start asking the right questions and looking in the right places. And God, I pray that our lives would begin to change as we begin to see people through your eyes and share your light and your love. God, I pray for miracles. I pray for deliverances. I pray for people to be saved. In Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, most importantly, if you've come into this place broken and hurting, I know there was a specific word this morning about somebody who had been up way into the morning, even today, so stressed out and so confused, not knowing what you were going to do next. And the Lord specifically spoke to you 
through the word today. Don't forget that. He loves you enough that he did that. I just pray peace over you in that, and right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray hope for you. I pray wisdom for you. I pray encouragement for you right now. Receive that in Jesus' name. If you come into this place today and you don't have the relationship with Jesus that you want and that you need, maybe you've never known him. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. Maybe you did at some point. But you, for whatever reason, stopped trusting. And now you're calling the shots in your life. You can tell the difference. You can sense the distance. But maybe you just feel like that you failed and maybe you're never going to get back. I want to tell you something. You can get back and you can get back right now. It's just one step. You may have gone a thousand steps away, but one of my favorite bands said years ago, it's only one step home, one step back. If you need to get right with God today, is there anybody like that in this room? Either you don't know Jesus or you need to come home right now. You've been running. You've been disappointed, disillusioned with God for whatever reason. But you're ready to come home right now. You're ready to make that one step. If you need to do that before we pray about anybody or anything else, would you lift your hand in this room? Okay, then lastly today, God's called you to get engaged, get involved in your world, every one of us. And I believe there are some of us who have mistakenly, it's been sincere, but it's been sincerely a mistake. We've been waiting for some great movements, some great idea, some great anointing, some big feeling, some event, so that we could rally around it and and then reach out to people. And what I believe God's saying to you today is those things may come very well, but you don't have to wait for that. Just go into your world today and just let the love of Jesus flow through you. Dare to ask Him, what can I do? Who can I help? What can I say? Where do you want me, God? Show me people the way you see people today. And then be willing to get involved. If you know God's been living with you, but you've been thinking you had to wait for something, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today, and you're ready to say, yes, God. (laughs) I may not have it all together, but God, you can use me right where I'm at, and I'm willing to be used. Show me, God, who can I help? Who can I talk to? Where can I go? Where do you want me? Let me see people the way you see people. If that's your heart cry, would you lift your hand anywhere in this room today? You're ready to say, God, here I am. I'm going to get engaged. Here I am. I'm going to get involved. Here I am, God. You use me. I'll go. You speak through me and I'll speak. You act through me and I'll move. God, here I am. Here I am. Can we stand together? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for those hands that just went up in this room. I believe them. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that, God, we would have a heart and a mind that is attuned to the Spirit of God. Father, God, we're not waiting for goosebumps. We're not waiting for emotions. We're not waiting for feelings. But, God, I pray that we would see people through your eyes. God, I pray that we would see pain where pain exists. We would see hurt where hurt exists. We would see brokenness where brokenness exists. And, Father, God, I pray that we would not be content to just stand along the wayside. But, Lord, we would ask you at that point, what do I do, God? What do I say? How do I get involved? But we would then listen. And we would then act. And I think when we do, it will be under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And God, you can begin to change people's lives even when we don't know it's happening. Father, we believe you that the day of miracles is upon us. The day of signs and wonders has come. We believe it's a time of revival and refreshing. But God, it's out there as we move out of this place and be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Help us, God. We need your strength and we need your wisdom. But we know that we have it. And we receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. We love you. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be around as long as you need us to be. Otherwise, we'll let you go in the grace of God. Don't forget altar training at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock tonight.